What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Ethos Sixers podcast. I'm your host, Adam Sherman, and sorry it's been a while since the last episode. I've been feeling a little under the weather, but we are back now, and a lot has happened since I have been gone um, around the NBA and with the Sixers. So starting with the NBA, um, obviously COVID has taken over. Uh, a lot of players being put on the protocols list, uh, testing positive for COVID, um, causing a lot of random players to get a lot of minutes for, for a lot of teams and shake up the league a little bit. Uh, it's impacted the Sixers a lot, and um, I'm going to get to all that. But before we do so, I would like to quickly uh, shout out um, the Ethos Fantasy Basketball page on Twitter. That is at Ethos Fantasy BK. Um, this is the most dominant fantasy uh, news feed on the planet. Get your NBA news, including news about your Sixers, in one Twitter feed. Not only is this the fastest source, but it's also the most reliable and provides analysis to, again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. So before we jump into all these cases and all this nonsense of COVID going on, I just wanted to give a quick recap of what has happened with the Sixers since the last episode. They've taken a lot of brutal losses um, against a shorthanded Memphis squad, against a extremely shorthanded Miami squad without Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, um, got lit up by Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. That was a tough one to watch. Um, losing a close one to Brooklyn, uh, obviously KD, an incredible player, but that was really it. Um, they also had a few good wins in this time. Um, they beat Golden State, which was a huge game that we'll get into. They also beat Boston. Um, this was also a great game. Uh, shorthanded uh, Sixers squad getting it done with only one bench point. Um, so let's just take a look into the Sixers team at the moment. So, um, obviously, a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID has uh, held a lot of players out of different games. So, it's really been hard to see this team at full strength uh, as it is uh, any team in the league right now. You can't really find a team that's been at full strength all season. Um, at the moment, Shake Milton and Andre Drummond were the latest to enter the COVID list. Tyrese Maxey's been having some some weird injury issues. Joel Embiid's been questionable but has been playing, clearly affected. Um, so starting off, we're just going to uh, go over the roster a little bit at the moment, see how everyone's been performing, um, starting with our point guard, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, mentioned a lot about Tyrese Maxey every episode, obviously. Been one of the focal points of the team this season with uh, the Ben Simmons nonsense uh, that will be addressed later, which I hate having to address every time, but I digress. Um before he got hurt, Maxi was really heating up, uh, starting to play some great games alongside Joel Embiid. Um, of course, these were games that the Sixers were losing, um, such as the one against Memphis, where they lost by almost 30. Uh, Maxi had a great game versus Miami, where they would ultimately lose. But um, yeah, we're going to really need to see Maxi step up in these games um, that will you know really help the team. Because when Maxi uh, is playing well, it almost seems like the rest of the team struggles, and especially Joel Embiid. You rarely see a game where Maxi and Joel go off side by side. And that's going to be a huge part of this team going forward. Um, at first, it was just seeing Maxi play well next to Joel, and he's been able to do so. But Joel struggles when that happens. So that's been a little worrying to see. But it's good to see Maxi starting to get back on track after his little skid when Joel came back. Um, still looks like a very reliable starting point guard. Um, but we'll have to see what's happening closer to the trade deadline. Obviously, uh, Maxi is great, but a point guard like... Uh, DeJounte Murray, Darius Garland, Damian Lillard, etc. would probably be a better option for an aspiring uh, championship contender. Um, Shake Milton, uh, a guy I wanted to address because I feel like he's really been, I don't want to say struggling, but a little disappointing. 
Uh, the Sixers really need that spark off their bench this year. Uh, especially, you know, not a lot of guys who can really put the ball in the basket all that well. Andre Drummond is your backup center. You're not getting buckets there. Um, George Niang's been a solid shooter, but he's not a guy that's going to go and just get you a bucket whenever he needs to. And that's where we really expect Shake to step in. You know, maybe Furkan, but he's been almost non-existent on this team recently. So I really like to see Shake creating a shot more, uh, hitting his threes more. He's been struggling a little bit from behind the arc. And I think that's definitely something to look into at the trade deadline. Um, I don't know if it necessarily means to trade Shake, but I think it would be uh, really, really helpful to get a guy off the bench who could give you those buckets. Uh, they brought in Alec Burks a couple of years ago. Not the greatest player in the world, but definitely served that purpose uh, pretty solidly. Um, getting a guy who might be a little better in that regard um, as a piece in a Ben Simmons trade could be something definitely to look at. Um, of course, there's been so many rumors, but maybe in a Spurs trade, if you happen to be able to package a couple picks or happen to package Danny Green, someone like that, I don't know what if it was some sort of three-team trade, but getting a guy like Derek White back could really fill that purpose uh, incredibly, even if that means starting Derek White, pushing someone else to the bench that can provide that spark. Um, that's just something that I think Daryl Morey and the Sixers really have to look into. Um, nonetheless, continuing on, uh, Danny Green, uh, a guy who is definitely not that spark off the bench or starting. Uh, this man has really struggled offensively. He has looked good on defense, but aside from a couple wide open threes, Danny Green looks almost uh, non-existent out there on offense. He stands in the corner, stands at the top of the key, but he's rarely moving, and he doesn't even make a lot of his open threes. So it's been really uh, tough to see Danny's uh, digression over the last couple of seasons, not just with the Sixers, but obviously a key piece to that Raptors championship team just a couple years ago. And, you know, now he's out here looking like he could be a bench warmer and it wouldn't be a problem. Uh Let's go on to Danny's fellow wing uh, in the starting lineup, Seth Curry. And Seth Curry is an entirely different story. Um, Seth Curry has his games where he can play a little like Danny in the sense that, you know, missing a lot of shots. But Seth Curry has really evolved his game. And he's really became a a really great shot creator, especially from the mid-range. He has this beautiful, uh, you know, through the legs little step back fadeaway. And it goes in nearly every time, gets the shot up over almost anyone. And it's really been nice to see the games where Seth is steps up and steps hot because uh, there's really no one like him on the Sixers and there hasn't been for quite a while. Uh, even J.J. Redick was more of a catch-and-shoot guy and it's just really cool to see this uh, this lethal shooter, uh, especially from the mid-range, just work and get you a basket. It's kind of what you expect from Tobias Harris who we'll get to later but definitely hasn't been doing this but it's been really, really cool to see Seth evolve his game even at the age that he's at, um, being a veteran in this league for so many years. So, moving on to another player, definitely needs to evolve his game is Matisse Thibel. Uh It's been the same story since he's been drafted. Uh, his defense is spectacular. In the Warriors game, Matisse was absolutely ridiculous on Seth Curry, uh, just allowing two threes, blocked two of his threes, uh, just everywhere on defense. He has those games where he looks like the best defensive player in the league. Um, everyone that he's played with has said this, but again, his offense, uh, strictly wide open threes occasionally and backdoor cuts for dunks. That's all of Matisse Thibel's offense. And, you know, if he was a consistent three-point shooter, could make them when he's open and, you know, cut more often and be that aggressive, then that's fine. But you really see uh, him hesitating to shoot. And even when he doesn't hesitate to shoot, they're usually bad shots that uh, don't usually go in. So, obviously, Matisse has a lot to work on, but I do love his defense still. Um, In terms of a trade, it'd be hard to let him go. But, again... 
If you get offered a guy like Damian Lillard and he is in the package, it's really, really hard to decline that, especially considering, um, you know, Embiid's got a couple years left to get this championship or two, uh, championship or two being a um, very optimistic uh, phrase there. But we're going to move on to Tobias Harris, and this is someone I hate to talk about right now because I do love Tobias. I'm a big Tobias fan, like the signing when we got him. But, you know, seeing him struggle recently has been tough to watch. Um, Last game against Boston obviously looked a lot better, but Tobias Harris has had a lot of games this year where he has looked nowhere near max contract player. That game against Brooklyn struggled severely, has just a lot of games where he just doesn't look aggressive, doesn't turn on that second gear, takes a lot of bad shots, uh, doesn't really try to get to the rim, or takes ugly, like, contested threes, and it just doesn't hasn't really looked like him this year. I don't know if Ben Simmons' uh, absence has caused this. Maybe Ben allowed the court to open up for him a little bit more. He found him on some, uh, let him isolate more. I don't know, but I really hope Tobias can get back on track because seeing him when he's at full strength and playing well is really good to see. Uh, can really be a good compliment to Joel. I still think another star is needed there, but Tobias Harris needs to play like a third option on a championship team, and right now he needs to play like a second option on a playoff team. So moving on to the big man, Joel Embiid. Um, very, very weird season for Joel. I'm not saying bad. The reason I'm saying weird is because Joel Embiid has had games where he has flat out looked bad. He has shot terribly. He doesn't attack the basket. Uh, he just looks a little lazy. Maybe it's the COVID catching up to him. Maybe it's, uh, his knees. I don't know, but he's had those games. And then he's had games like the game against the Celtics where he looks like maybe the best player in the world. Um, if you didn't watch the game against the Celtics in the final minute, uh, hit three huge baseline fadeaway jumpers, including the dagger with only a couple seconds left on the clock, up by one, hit some clutch free throws, 41 points, only had, I believe, six shots at the rim in general. So, you know, his mid-range game against uh, Ennis Freedom was just absolutely lethal. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not saying he has to back down to, to be good or uh, if he's missing jump shots, it's a bad game necessarily. It's just that the games where he is missing a lot of shots, those jumpers that he's taking and those fadeaways seem really forced. They're ugly. They're contested. And he doesn't look to get to the rim. Obviously, if he's having a game where he's hitting every one of his mid-range jumpers and they're giving it to him, by all means, uh, take them. Uh, even if you know, you're know you not hitting them, keep taking them. That's Joel's shot. I understand that. But there's games where you just want to see him take his matchup and get down in the paint against the Charlotte Hornets when they were super, super limited. He went back-to-back games where he did just that, and the results showed themselves. He had, I think, a 36-1 game and a season high of, like, 45 the other game. Won both of those games. Just truly dominant MVP performances. Um, we've been seeing a couple more of those recently, and I'm hoping now Joel is at full strength. There looks like nothing's holding him back, and he can just go dominate the league and go get his first MVP. And the final uh, member of this team, or two members, I should say, I would like to discuss is Andre Drummond and Charles Bassey. Um, very weird um, uh, debate that I'm having with myself right here, and I think a few Sixers fans are starting to pick up on, is that Charles Bassey might be better than Andre Drummond. And I say that, and people are going to immediately freak out, say, oh, Andre Drummond, you know, was having a couple bad games, not rebounding the ball the best. He's still a multiple-time rebound champ, you know. He's played great in the beginning half of the season. And, yes, I do get that. But if you look at the Sixers team rebounding stats and especially bench rebounding stats, they've been really, really weak uh, recently and really all season. And when Charles Bassius came in, his rim protection, uh, his hustle, his he's more agile, he's more athletic than Drummond, and 
I think it's really shown. Uh, he always is on the ground for loose balls. Uh, I feel like he's pretty disciplined in terms of fouling, especially for a rookie. And I would really, really like to see some more Charles Bassey minutes. I think this was a great pick by the Sixers. And I, I think, you know, even if you split these backup minutes between Bassey and Andre, obviously Joel's getting his minutes. That's undisputed. But I think that could be a good... Uh, a good plan for the Sixers going forward because I think both of these guys are solid options. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Andre Drummond is bad, but I think Charles Bassey has a solid future in this league and with the team and the fact that Drummond is on this one-year contract on a minimum. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure the Sixers want to bring him back. Didn't happen with Dwight Howard. So if they're going to keep cycling through these backups, I think it might be smart to keep one of these uh, with a young guy like Charles Bassey. Um, finally, looking at the Sixers picked up... Um, Two new players, the first one being Tyler Johnson, a veteran point guard. And I think there's an argument to be made here that Tyler Johnson can have some serious run off the bench in a normal rotation. Um, You know, obviously the Sixers do not have that solidified backup point guard. Not saying Tyler Johnson is necessarily a solidified backup point guard option in this league. But, you know, he's someone who's played his fair share of games. Um, he hasn't, I'm not going to say he's a superstar or he's you know, even like a great bench player, but he's a guy that can control the ball better than Shea can or really anyone on the roster, not Tyrese Maxey. Um, and I think he's a guy that might be able to manage a game, get you some defensive stops and, you know, just have some solid scoring performances for you, hit a few shots. So I think it's a guy to look for. And the other guy the Sixers picked up was Miles Powell, um, a rookie from, I believe, Seton Hall. Uh, in his first game, he was pretty quiet, but... He looks like a solid shooter, pretty athletic. I doubt he gets many minutes, uh, probably be assigned to the G League. Uh, shout out to Bluecoats, by the way. Um, looked incredible, led by B-Ball Paul. But yeah, Miles Powell seems like more of a G League type. If he does get minutes on the Sixers, will be something to look out for more. Um, so next topic, which is every Sixers fan on their mind right now, is the trade deadline. But before we get there, um, I just wanted to shout out our partner at Sports Ethos Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive on their mobile app at thrivefantasy.com and use code ETHOS at sign up for a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit of up to $100 plus either two to four free game tickets to play. So Thrive is a really cool website. Um, how it works is you can pick some player props on the biggest names every single night. And you know when your props hit, you score points. And players with the most points every night win a share of the nightly prize money. And of course, you can check out the Sports Ethos DFS team and the podcast for advice every single night. Uh, make sure you're winning. So again, the code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Go check it out. And one popular bet right now that I know a lot of Sixers fans are betting on is where will Ben Simmons end up? And, you know, that is a really, really good question. And a lot of teams on the table. But uh, I believe that this charge is mainly led by the Sacramento Kings, surprisingly. Um, at the beginning of the season, there were trade rumors with the Sacramento Kings, a lot of them surrounding uh, the likes of Buddy Heald, maybe a uh, young guard, Tyrese Halliburton. But at this moment, with the state of that Kings team, I really think De'Aaron Fox is a solid possibility. There's been a lot of reports that, you know, De'Aaron is no longer untouchable. Um, he could be uh, available in certain trades, especially um, in this absence with he's had uh, been on the COVID list. Uh, Terry's Halliburton has looked absolutely amazing, uh, just filling up the stat sheet everywhere. Really looks like he could lead that team. And uh, a guy like Ben Simmons could really compliment him maybe better than Fox because Ben Simmons can be put, you know, at the forward. 
um, play next to Halliburton, you play point uh, more of a, a passer than than Fox is. Fox is a good passer, don't get me wrong, but Simmons obviously isn't a scorer. So if a lot of the major ball handling is done by Halliburton and Simmons is helping to facilitate it all while playing better defense, then by any means that seems like a better option for the Kings. And we know that De'Aaron Fox is a better option for the Sixers than the ghost of Ben Simmons not playing a single game for us. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, super, super athletic. Basically, um, a better Tyrese Maxey, if I had to put it in any in any uh, comparison, because he's quick, he's shifty, can get up there with the best of him, score over big uh, over centers, over anyone, blow by basically any single defender in this league. I would absolutely love to have De'Aaron Fox on my team, and I think that's something that's extremely possible. Obviously, Damian Lillard would be magnificent. Uh, the Blazers have had a lot of struggles this season. Um, I mentioned last time that, you know, they're fired a lot of people in their organization. CJ McCollum has a punctured lung, so he'll be out for an extended period of time. And Damian Lillard, I'm not so sure. He's said many times, reiterated that he wants to be there. But we'll see when the deadline passes how true that rings. Um, I mentioned earlier in the pod, but if by any chance the Sixers could sneak in a guy like DeJounte Murray or Darius Garland... Absolutely incredible. Um, Garland seems nearly impossible after how well the Cavs have been playing, but maybe they want to sell high on him. He's looked like one of the best point guards in the Eastern Conference. Uh, as Kendrick Perkins says, the second best behind Trey Young. Uh, questionable statement. DeJounte Murray's been a triple-double machine. So if you know a guy like Shake, uh, Pick, Ferk, um, has to be thrown in there to get a guy like that, uh, do that in a heartbeat. A guy like Matisse uh, or Maxi deserves a second thought, but I wouldn't scratch it completely. And another question at the trade deadline would be regarding Tobias Harris. Obviously, a lot of Sixers fans scream and trade Tobias after his poor start to the season, but I think they fail to realize he's on a max contract. And the team trading for Tobias Harris would have to take that max contract, and the Sixers would have to receive someone uh, with similar money in return. Um, the only thing that I've even thought of that making sense is Tobias in a package with Ben to Sacramento. Uh, we take on maybe a guy like Harrison Barnes' big contract. They also throw in Buddy Heald and maybe a draft pick. I'm not too sure I feel about this. I think Tobias can turn it around, especially with another star on the team. But, you know, this would also maybe open up some money for free agency next year. Sixers uh, rumored to be going all in potentially next season. Harden becoming a free agent, Beal, Levine, even Jeremy Grant. Obviously, Daryl Morey would love that reunion with Harden if things fall through with Brooklyn. So maybe they're waiting till next year. They don't make a move, and Ben Simmons gets traded in the offseason. Money gets opened up for a free agent. And this opens up another argument, which is, is Embiid's prime now being ruined, or is Morey saving it if he does this? Because this is another year, maybe Joel's uh, best chance in terms of uh, talent-wise, you know, his best year to be healthy, although all the COVID stuff happening. But Joel's got COVID. He's been through it. Uh, he looks healthy. This is the youngest he's going to be, obviously. Um, so do you try to win as soon as possible, or do you potentially give it one more year? Joel's prime slowly slipping away and build that team up for next year and give yourself a great shot. My personal opinion is wait till next year. Uh, not what Sixers fans want to hear. But, you know, I don't think that this team has what it takes to win a championship. A lot of super talented teams. I think Brooklyn will get it together before the end of the year. I think the Lakers will get it together. And, you know, if Harden happens to not re-sign with the Nets and comes to the Sixers instead, obviously that's a complete 180, um, turning the Sixers into the probable favorites because not only are we getting Harden, the Nets lose him. 
So I think that's something to consider. A lot of these super teams have a lot of players who will be getting a year older. So I think that next year seems like a more viable option. But if Maury can pull off some magic at the deadline for a superstar in exchange for Ben Simmons, by all means. Um, And yeah, this team, the future is... I don't want to say it's bright and I don't want to say it's grim. I feel like we are in line for a four or five seed first or second round exit. But when Joel Embiid is on your roster, like I like to say, you really never know what the limit of this team can be. Joel Embiid can single-handedly put a team on his back like almost no player in the league. Uh, maybe Steph Curry, LeBron, those guys. But a healthy Joel Embiid is a very scary sight. Um, so just looking at the upcoming season, uh, Christmas coming up soon, which means the deadline is coming up soon as well. I know all Sixers fans, including myself, will be on the edge of their seat to see what happens with Ben Simmons. Um, quickly, before we sign off, I just wanted to remind everyone to use code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. Also, check out our pals at mybookie.ag and use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock a deposit match bonus. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening once again. I'm Adam Sherman, and I know it can be hard. I know with everything going on, you know, this is the last thing you want to hear, but it's a thing that we've been relying on for years and years, and we're going to have to keep relying on it until it rings true. So keep trusting the process. <laughs>